This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Well, hello! Welcome back! I'm never sure which silly voice you're going to do to try to break me. That was a that was a sad attempt at Miss Doubtfire. <laughs> um, probably a movie you haven't seen. Correct. Uh, ah, yes. Well, in Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams becomes an old woman. I I am familiar with the premise. It's one of those things that has entered the zeitgeist pretty thoroughly. So I I know the premise and I know the basic plot. I just haven't you know sat down and watched the whole thing yet. It's also one of those movies that was like super wholesome for its time, but it didn't age terribly well. Well, sure, because kind of technically drag is like the punchline, kind of. Yeah, kind of. But also it's about a divorced man spying on his family, right? Yeah, and, that's... And, uh... Uh, you know, now that we know more about how uh, divorced men can go insane and, you know, kill everyone, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh... Yeah, that's... Uh... Grim topic, but very true. This is Inspiration Point, where we ruin <laughs> your favorite films and songs and games and all that stuff. Oh, that, that that's okay. The game theory's like tagline is ruining your childhood since 2011. <laughs> and that's my like my favorite YouTube channel in, in existence. Yeah, game theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good stuff. Um I used to watch uh, film theory a lot. Every now and then I see one pop up on my feed and it seems kind of okay and uh i check it out uh i got into it originally during the you know the height of the game of thrones hype and sure. they you know he had presented the 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 john snow origin theory and, and i had he never was heard right it. and he was right <laughs> and i had never heard it before but to his credit he also said that he wasn't the one that had come up with the theory that this had been an a thing that had been going on for some time, um, but it turned out to be true. The only problem was is uh, David and Dan had no idea what to do with this information <sighs> once it had been revealed or what it should mean or anything. Yeah. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot. We we appreciate it. We appreciate you <laughs> uh, ditching out on Game of Thrones to go and work on the thing that you actually cared about. Yeah. Cheers. And then you didn't get it. Didn't, didn't get the Star Wars project that they were hoping for. I mean, I would imagine that, that them uh, so thoroughly breaking Game of Thrones was a big part of the reason why uh, Disney was like, no. Well, you know, so much of this, I mean, you know, entertainment and, and politics are similar in that the winds change. and Real fast. You know, and the, the money changes with it as quickly as it can. Um you know, because the, the distributors, they're not necessarily thinking about, you know, what's artistic or like understanding the ins and outs of like sometimes you, you win and sometimes you lose or whatever. 
you know, and it just goes, oh, this seems like a bad investment, right? Line go down, me not buy, right? Because the, the, the cult of infinite growth is basically what capitalism is based on. Well, it's certainly what it's become. Um, I'll, I'll say that. I'm not sure it's what um, Adam Smith would have necessarily foreseen, sure. right? You know, he, he, for his time, he was still thinking pretty small, you know, and, and fairly local. And uh, even, even some degree of uh, regulation, but, you know, his book's hard to read. <laughs> so, a lot of the important books are kind of hard to read, in fairness. It's too darn long. It's long. How dare. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to get through that. And, I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, what, are, what is the pounds and pence of, you know, all these various crops and stuff. It's pretty dry stuff, you know. Uh, there's a few nuggets of gold throughout that that help me when I'm doing uh, fictional economies, right? Um, because it's about the right time period, maybe a little bit past. I mean, it's industrial age, but it's like there's still enough of, you know, just people working with their hands that I can. Anyway, uh, that's a big aside. Um, I'm going out to the movies today. Oh, what are you going to go see? I'm going to go watch The Marvels. Oh, okay. I have heard mixed reviews on that one. Uh, yes, I have seen mixed reviews on it as well. Uh, but my favorite guy, uh, Movie Bob, he said it was 7 out of 10, uh, which for him is pretty good. Um, and so I'm going to give that a shot. If nothing else, it's an excuse to hang out with people, right? That's what we're really here for. That's very fair. That's one of the reasons I haven't gone to see some of the films that I actually want to go see because I I haven't put the call out to my like little event group, but I think I'm the only one who's into Five Nights at Freddy's. So oh, yeah, like, are you? Dry, I'm I'm uh, again going back to game theory. I have never played a single one of the games, but I am so steeped in the lore of mm -hmm. it because of all the videos that Matt Pat has done on it. I've read most of the books. Um, I really like the storyline of it, which means that the movie is like a perfect thing for me, but I don't have anyone to go see it with. And, you know, I don't like seeing movies alone. I like having someone else to at least talk about it with afterwards. Did you did you have one of those like pizza party places growing up as a kid with like animatronics and stuff? I am told that there was a Chuck E. Cheese in Fairbanks and yeah, that Chuck I e. Cheese, was yeah. taken there when I was a small child. I do not remember this at all. It was yeah. before I have, like, cognitive memories. In my memory, the building that Chuck E. Cheese wound up in, uh, the building that Chuck E. Cheese was in wound up being an Asian restaurant that was, like, our special event restaurant mm -hmm. when I was a kid, uh, Asawan. I don't remember it. I'm told that I've gone. <laughs> and I have not been as an adult. You were a little, little one at the I was time. Wee. Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, I went to a showbiz pizza for one of my birthdays when I was a child. And then I had Chuck E. Cheese when we had moved to California. Um, I don't think we ever celebrated one of mine for there, but like I had gone for friends or whatever. And, uh, you know, even as a kid, it's like I just wanted to play the video games. I didn't care about the animatronics. I thought they were creepy and cringy. But it, it is kind of interesting that somebody decided like, you know, these things are kind of terrifying looking. You know, what if we made a... What if we made a horror story about that? I was like, how, how, 
this has been done, right? Like, someone did this, it right? It feels like it should have been, but, like, the animatronic right. horror genre didn't really start until Five Nights at Freddy's. I guess not, you know? And it's super popular. It's it's something where I'm like, I, I don't know why the younger generation likes it so much, because I don't feel like they had that. The, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is still around. My adopted nephew yeah. is going to Chuck E. Cheese uh, next week for his birthday. Yeah. Um, so it's still around and alive and well, but like, there's been times where I've driven past the Chuck E. Cheese and seen a now hiring sign and hissed at it because I was like, no, I know how this story goes. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get wood on me. Nope. Uh, but Weird there undead is a- child spirit. There is a film, uh, if you want just like a campy horror film in that like genre, uh, Willy's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage. Oh, and does it use animatronics and stuff? It does. And uh, keeping to the spirit of the first game, and actually of most of the games, Nicolas Cage does not have a single line. Oh, that sounds great. It's a real, I, I did not expect to like this film as much as I did. It is very like splash gory. So, you know, if people in your family are sensitive to that, be aware. But sure. I thought it was well done, to be perfectly frank. And I'm a huge FNAF fan. They did they did the FNAF movie before the FNAF movie. Yeah, did they? Uh, I did actually watch most of the FNAF movie. Um, I did not care for it. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, you don't you, you don't know the lore. I don't know the lore. Yeah, no. <laughs> I all I had to do was, you know, base it on what the movie itself was presenting, and with that alone, I was just like, man, this is rough. But th- people love it. Yeah, you know? people one, love it. One film that I'm looking forward to is uh, Iron Lung because Markiplier, who's another like big YouTuber, took that right. on as a passion project that he directed and is in. And he talks so much about it, like the passion for it is truly there. And I've, I've been watching his filmmaking develop on YouTube over the last, gosh, has it been 10 years? It must be. Just watching the way that his storytelling and his sense of the camera and sense of timing has developed over the last decade or so. I'm really excited to see what he does with this directorial debut on the big screen. It's going to actually be in theaters. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. So you're actually going to go watch a movie. Yes, I know. Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> I do go and see films sometimes, mostly when it's, you know, things that other people are seeing. I was, I'm still so mad that I missed Bar- uh, Barbieheimer Weekend. Yeah, I missed it too, and I'm I'm pretty bummed out about that. Um, I did want to watch, I didn't care too much about watching Oppenheimer, oddly enough, because it seems up my alley. But I heard that they were doing sort of a lot of artsy-fartsy nonsense with it, and I was like, eh, I don't know. It's three hours of artsy-fartsy depression. Right, and I was like, I don't know if I need this in my life right now at this moment. I have plenty of depression. Um, But I did want to watch Barbie, because I was like, that looks like the opposite of everything I just said. And, (laughs) uh, you know, it looked campy and stupid, and I was like, I'm in the mood for that. And I just With a serving of existential horror. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> I think about dying a lot. Don't we all? Uh segueing very <laughs> segueing very slightly because this happens to me a lot. I've started playing Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. Speaking of dying a lot. Speaking of dying a lot. Oh my gosh, they got the squishy part absolutely correct. I'm like, I am taking long rests after almost every encounter and I'm and I'm like fourth level at this point. Okay, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, you're like waiting for that fifth level power that fifth spike. Level Give me fireball. I'm <laughs> playing the light cleric. So you're playing the like, light cleric. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I've I've had this is I'm, I'm I'm going to be going into my third time of doing the null fight when we when you meet the Zents. Yes, uh, it's so hard. Well, so I have finished the fight twice. The second time, I even like pulled off the the conversation with the Zents just fine, and like even got money for it. It was great. There's a cave that you can go into and explore, and if you jump across the chasm, you can't jump jump back. Yeah, if if your jump isn't stuck. super strong, yeah, um, you can attack that cave from two angles. And uh, I was actually doing multiplayer of that encounter last night, and uh, my character, uh, I was playing an Eldritch Knight, and so I had very high strength. And I took athletics as my fourth level feat. And I have the jump spell. So you were able to just like yeet across. It was super fun. You know that part with the goblins when you're like, you're walking into the like abandoned town and they're like up there on the rooftops, like on lookout. Mm-hmm. So I, I used my insane jumping ability to go from the top roof to the other top roof, <laughs> just clearing the whole chasm. Is it and, a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Adam. <laughs> yeah, I was like feeling awesome. Uh, that was really cool. There's so many fun little things about Baldur's Gate 3 where we go, is that what I'm supposed to be doing in D&D? Is this how this should feel? And there are some key differences. And there are some key differences. And honestly, like I had a really hard time with Baldur's Gate 3 at first. Yeah. I played it for a few hours when I first started it, and I was getting really frustrated because I've, I've never played a Divinity game, and I've never played something like World of Warcraft. I played a little bit of Neverwinter, but, like, I'm not a PC gamer prior right, right, to right. this. So my instinct my instincts are for console. I'm used to having a, a controller in my hands. Yeah, and I think there is a controller interface. I'm told now that there is, uh, but I hadn't yeah. I hadn't heard that before. So now I'm just right. like, well, I'm committed. So let's let's see how far I can get with this. Yeah. Um, but I was getting really frustrated because I was like, it wasn't just the controls. It was also I feel like I'm playing this wrong. I feel like there is one way that you're supposed to do these sorts of things. And if you don't do it that way, you go, you get into a dialogue loop or the thing doesn't progress. And I was mm. getting really frustrated. So, like, I had to put it all down and go have a good cry over how frustrated I was. Oh, and then, I'm so and sorry. I was really frustrated. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. You're and like, all this money, all this time, all, all this, this buildup. Like, this is why I don't like things getting hyped up for me because when I'm disappointed, I get really upset about it. Oh no! <laughs> but I saw that you had said that you had got back up on that horse, though. I did. Uh, the 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 next day after I'd gotten some sleep, I was like, "All right, let's just go and touch everything. Let's just go and talk to everyone. Let's let's not let the time pressure get to me because that was part of what was getting to me was." This is a thing that you need to do, and you need to go and do it before the ritual's done. Uh-huh, right. And I yeah, was yeah. like, I mean, the ritual clearly isn't going to go on for days, so I need to do all of this in one long rest. Yeah. Which is just impossible. And no. then I talked to other people who, who know the game. Uh, Alondra was very helpful to be like, okay, let's, let's dial this back about five notches. I understand that you're disappointed and that I'm here to listen to you cry, 
Now let's talk about this if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was very helpful. And now I'm having a grand time. Like, I I have to now, like, night before last, I was up until 2.30 playing and didn't Mm -hmm. realize how late it was. And that was what I wanted. That was exactly the experience that I wanted was to get so sucked into this game and into this story that I lost track of time. And I got that. And I'm feeling a lot better. (laughs) Oh, so in other words, uh, what you're saying is you got good. Uh, it, it isn't. It isn't even so much that I got good. It's that I adjusted the way that I approached it. Ah, I, I see. Because I was approaching it like Dragon Age or like D and D, and what I didn't understand is that it, while it has elements of both of those, it isn't either of them. Right. Yeah. It's not. And they they do create a lot of sense of urgency in the beginning that is kind of fake. But there's yeah. a reason for that. That's in this story. And when you know the reason, then you're like, okay, all right, I get it. But it still would have been nice for you not to tell me that if I take a long rest now, I might undergo seromorphosis, right? Right, or or that the ritual would be finished and the people would get kicked out of the druid grove. Oh, that I one, was, yeah, yeah. I was very, like, I was pushing to try and make that not happen because I felt really bad for the tieflings. Like, that's that's really interesting because it's yeah, they they do play it up like, oh, this is we're doing this today. They are standing there in the grove doing the ritual. I'm watching them do it. I'm hearing them <laughs> chant. I'm watching them cast spells like they keep saying, casting hail of thorns on this thing over and over yeah. again. And then I was like, oh, I could have taken a long rest all along. Yeah. You could take like five, Thanks. ten long rests. Yeah. I think I have taken at least ten. I might take yeah. more. You just you just do it, and you've been doing short rests too, right? No, because I'm I'm a light cleric. We don't get anything for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I run out of faster than health is spells. Oh man! So like my first playthrough, I was doing uh, warlock, and I was <laughs> and my my love interest was Lazel. And so, like, yeah, Fighter and Warlock, we're like, yeah, we love short rest, man. Short rests are where it's at. And <laughs> and right now I'm rolling with uh, Asterion, Karlak, and um, Gale in, in my party. So yeah. no one gets anything from a short rest, really. That sounds I mean, like the, the barbarian gets their rage back. Tiana but. party. I was like, if I were to just guess who you took with you, that would have been the list. That's yeah. Uh, I'm I'm aiming at trying to romance Carlac on this run. We'll see how successful I am. Because oh man, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm I'm saving Gale for when I do the Kelladry run through because Gale reminds me so much of Roland. It's painful. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of similarity. Like Gale's like a just much much more intelligent, but also dumber Roland. It's hard to explain. <laughs> high, high in, low whiz. It's very yeah, easy to exactly. explain. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Just like, like, dude, Gail, you don't see the downside here? <laughs> like, are you not? Yeah, I, I just found out about the reason for why he has that, that uh, particular arcane hunger. And I was like, you cute, but you dumb. You cute, but you dumb. <laughs> so true. Uh, Gail. Uh, I do like him a lot, though. He's a really interesting character. Uh-huh. And just so much flamboyance in this, in the in the camp. Yeah, you know, there's not really an Ogryn or a Zevran, right? Because, like, Ogryn and Zevran are interesting, but they're not fully fleshed out compared to, like, Alistair, Morrigan, Leliana. Sure. You know, in Dragon Age. And, uh... 
you know, in this one, I think like, every single character is Alistair Morrigan, Liliana. Yeah, they, they they definitely took the note from like fifteen years ago when when uh, Dragon Age Origins came out and went, that was good. How do we build on that to make stories better? Yes, and even Dragon Age couldn't do it. So you know. Well, you know, when all of the writers who made it work uh, left and went somewhere else or were fired and went somewhere else. Right. Right. Or just had career changes. Because as I understand, the game industry is incredibly stressful, which makes me sort of happy. I didn't quite get into it. Um, That had been my original aim, of course. That's where I had met Andrew was both of our attempts to get into the video game industry. But, you know, the, the truth is, it's like... Both Andrew and I, we like we like the uh, standard family life, you know. We want to have X amount of time at home, X amount of time at work, and we want all of that to be very predictable. And, uh, you know, that is just not how that industry runs. No, it lives, in, it lives on crunch time. And they say crunch like it's the last two weeks. It's the whole game. It's the whole game, yeah, exactly. And, and it seems like the bigger your company gets the more more pre- prevalent that that becomes. It's like, isn't there like a manager or something? It's like managing this, you know? And then they lay everyone off after a successful game because it's like, oh, well, it's too expensive to keep you on the payroll working on the next good thing. So yeah. all of the uh, institutional knowledge just disappears. Right. And that's, that's really terrible. I did work at EA briefly. Uh, oh, I'm going to be doing work for EA uh, later. Yeah, running, well, running, a, running a teleprompter for one of their events. Guess what they did after the successful project? I can only imagine. Yeah. That's why I'm coming on as a contractor, even though they're making me do all of the onboarding stuff like an actual employee. Oh, so you still have to go through all the, like, training and whatever? All of the, like, online uh, watching videos about, here's how to not sexually harass people. I'm like, I'm on site for two days. If I'm pulling off sexual harassment at that time, I am a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a menace to society. <laughs> for the, for legal purposes, everyone, that was actually a joke. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I, I don't necessarily uh, need that in my life. What I need in my life is a big table. You know, I need a big fancy table. I need pizza, fun things to drink. You know, a gathering of of friends and acquaintances that are all interested in uh, partaking in a particular activity. You know, and we can also do this online. It's a uh, it's a trade off in in good and bad. There is there's uh, happy and unhappy things about it. But ultimately, I want this table, whether it be physical or metaphysical, and I want that to be part of sort of my off time routine, right? And uh, so that brings us to talking about um, how to make that table dynamic work. Ooh. Yes. So uh, D&D is uh, super boring. Um, There is a lot of, (laughs) I know, there's a lot of really boring elements to like role-playing games. and, And I want to kind of address how we deal with that and Mm. keep the fun going. I can't tell you how many times I have come out of the gate swinging as a D as a DM with like 
music and timing and lines and drama. And then I go, it's your turn. What do you do? And then the player goes, uh, ah, yes, the player white noise. Um, Do, do, do. No. Okay. Okay. I'm good. No. No. That's not going to work. Uh. Let me see. Page 27. 27. Okay. All right. Here's my turn. All right. First, I'm going to move. Is it 30 or 35? Oh, shoot. No. Are we doing flanking? Are we, we're doing flanking, right? We're doing flanking. My music at this point is half over, mm-hmm. right? No, let's see, we're doing flanking. I'm in the right position. Okay. All right. Uh, I attack. Ah, oh, crap. Do, we, uh, do I have an inspiration point? Do I have an inspiration? I haven't even told you the result. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a miss. That's a miss. Um... I mean, it might not be a miss. That's probably a miss. Uh, let's see. <sighs> yeah, I got nothing. This is bull. Anyway, that's my turn. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Player theater there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my one-man show. Yep. <laughs> called The Turn. And and I and I may well just, like, send you a... a because we're recording this on Zoom as well, which means I have video of that. <laughs> that's right. That's just going to be how I live on in infamy is just <laughs> playing out one player's turn. You know, a couple problems with that with that turn. Okay. Oh, one, j- j- just just a couple of notes. Just a couple of notes. Let me turn my light back on. I look creepy. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, oh, I'm so jealous. I want I didn't have coffee yet. I, mm. I what you know what I did. And this is why I have no excuse. This is why I was late. Okay. I I got out of bed late. I was feeling a little under weather last night. And so I took some NyQuil. And uh, I feel much better today. I'm glad but you feel I, better. But I slept in until like 930, right? And then I was like, I didn't watch the finale of Loki last night. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, I'll watch like half of it. This episode... It was the best thing Marvel has produced in years. It was like amazing. Wow. Uh, you personally, I think, would have loved it. And All right. you probably haven't seen one episode of Loki, have you? Not a single. Not a single one. It, you don't even have to watch the rest of the MCU. Wow. That is okay. Just watch the series. It stands up pretty well. Uh, on its own. This last episode, holy crap. I, I'm so sorry. I could not stop. I had to finish it. You, we were only like 10 minutes late to get it started. Like, yeah, but on, I... on, on the scale of things, I was able to finish a row of knitting, which was nice. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, and you have used knitting in our uh, games as well in order to use some of the downtime between turns that happens. My goal is to eventually kill your ability to do this um, <laughs> uh, because it's so engaging and it's going around so quickly 
the things are, but the, here's the thing. I can't do it by myself. And I think for the GM, this is step one. Like this is not 100% your responsibility. Right. Um, you need to recognize what parts of it are your responsibility and you need to facilitate. You may also need to train, mm. right? And not, not just train yourself, but train the others to do what it is you want them to do. Um, uh, I have a, one of my student players, she is just so shy and she is such an introvert. And every time I come to her, it's like she hasn't thought about it at all. And it's not like she's even distracted with like a phone or anything. She's just looking around, mm. right? She's even looking at the board sometimes. And she's just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, honey. And I, and like, so I'm super torn because on the one hand, I don't want to scare this little bird away, you know, and I want her to feel comfortable and accepted. And I don't want her to feel a lot of anxiety and pressure. At the same time, I want to get this game moving, right? And so, you know, I've had some some difficulty there where, you know, I've, I've gone kind of halvesies and I've said, okay, we're going to move on. Um, if you think of what to do, like, I'm going to call on you again, right? So after the next initiative, I'll be like, hey, do you know what you want to do yet? And usually it only takes once. Okay. That's a that's a that's a pretty reasonable way to deal with that, especially because it's not malicious. It's it's her dealing with her stuff in her head. It is, and it's her, um, you know, frankly, not knowing the rules that well, and and that's another thing. But you know, she's getting better, and you know, of course, she had to pick one of the most complex classes in the game. Oh, which one? She chose Bard. Oh, there's something about Bard. Like you, you mentioned at one point that, that a lot of femmes choose Druid for their first yeah. uh, character. Also I, complex. I did not. I picked a Bard and I I did good with it. I had fun with it. But it, I look back at it now and go, I would have never handed a new player Bard. Yeah, Bard. I think Wizard is probably the number one most complex. Yeah. But I would say Bard's certainly up there because it does everything. Mm-hmm. It does a little bit of everything, you know, and it uses all of its actions from the get go. Yeah. Right. Like you get that inspiration die as your bonus action right away. And like I told her this, she had been playing several sessions and she was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons why if you if you really want a training wheels class, fighter's a good one. Oh, fighter is like pff, we're in, we're off to the races. Also, rogue's pretty good, pretty approachable. Rogue's okay. There there's uh, there's a lot at there's a lot of stuff at second level that you have to think about that makes it a little bit more challenging. Yeah, it makes that bonus action become like you know, it feels like a full action because essentially it is, you know. Um you're getting to do things that are normally full actions. Mm-hmm. And that's really good. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the thief class for Baldur's Gate 3, do you know what, how they did the thief? Uh, I have not explored any of the subclasses or classes outside of I'm playing Andraste, who is a light domain cleric. Right. So they get two bonus actions. Really? Yes. So they can, they can dash round... Right? That is a really smart way to handle that, though. Well, here's the other really interesting thing. You're, 
your uh, uh, you know how you use a bonus action to attack with your offhand? Yes, dash and then bonus action attack. Yeah, well, not to or mention sneak if you're just standing there with them, uh-huh. it's attack, bonus a- attack. Oh, I have extra attack. Jeez. Bonus action attack. Like if th- you have to multiclass to do that, but like so, I did that for one of my builds. It was Ranger Rogue, right? Which yeah, it, exactly. But it was <laughs> melee, right? And so it was like run up and then cheese grater shred somebody. Yes, right? because Ranger Rogue is a phenomenally <laughs> amazing broken build. It's really a wonderful combination. It, it, it should be up there on the list with like uh, coffee locks and and whatnot. I think. I would like Rogue a lot better if they would just give them extra attack. I think that was my biggest problem with yeah. Rogue overall is that it's 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 a martial class that doesn't have extra attack, and that's dumb. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Um, you know, at least make it like um, a thing that maybe just thieves and assassins get, like maybe it's part of the subclass. You know, I can understand not giving it to Arcane Trickster. Sure. But like, yeah. But anyway, it's not the point. The point right now is... Even with advanced players, I often have the same problem where I'm like, hey, do a thing. Hey, it's your turn. Hey, mm-hmm. role play. Hey, go into this and do this. And role play. And there, there, it can feel for a GM like you're doing tons of handholding. And then you get into a different group with different people, and they don't need the same things, but they need other things. Right? And so you're, you're constantly trying to do this. So... What I want tables to do is, number one, have that discussion. But number two, like getting into it, is I want them to treat uh, things like combat, but not just combat, also role-playing, as a game of hot potato, right? Or of passing a ball around, okay? Uh, when, I, when I was a little kid, uh, I used to play basketball. And uh, you'd get that one kid at school who would, they would never pass, Every mm-hmm. time they would get the ball, uh, they would dribble. They would they would do uh, you know a fast break or whatever. Um, they would try to do everything to get in on themselves and eventually shoot. They will shoot that ball in like a hail mary hook shot uh, before they'll actually just pass it to you, right? And so we used to call that kid the ball hog, right? Because uh, they were hogging the ball. Absolutely, right? and that's not good teamwork. I was never a particularly great basketball player, uh, but I did one thing that always got me like picked second or third. I passed the ball. Right? You kept you kept the ball moving. I kept the ball moving. Like I would I would keep I would get the ball. I advance it a little ways. I would look for an opening to give it to someone because I didn't have particularly great dexterity. I wasn't gonna like dribble between my legs and like break somebody's ankles. Like I couldn't do that. Um, but I, I could do the basics, and I could also rebound pretty well. So I would be able to get up there, get the ball back, pull, push it out to, like, a point guard, and then they could sink it, right? And so they always liked that because I always made them look good, mm-hmm. right? And um, well, I think- and, and, and doing the basics well is one of the best ways to, like, like you don't you don't need to be fancy and uh, to, to – uh, draw the analogy with with uh, role-playing games you don't need to be matt mercer or any member of critical role you just need to like hold the story and help it keep going you don't need to be a brilliant role player just keep things moving right sometimes that yes and that and comes with you passing yeah right often it comes with you passing in, in improv 
Exactly. It's just like, well, I have it and here it is and it's cool. And look at that. What happens next? I don't know. Here you go. You know, or 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 here's a little bit of what happens next. Spin the ball a little bit and then pass it on. Yeah. Like, woo! look at this. Cool. You know, because uh, we do like when players do things like narrate or give description. You know, yep. uh, I want to I want to know how they're casting their spell. There's really interesting ways to to flavor spells that can be on brand for what it is you're doing. Um, our player Jenna in the uh, Gnarled Frontier campaign, um, she does this beautifully. The, the, the one that I absolutely have to play with at the some point? The one you, that you absolutely have to play with at some point, yeah. Because um, you guys would be just a great fit. Um, is that, you know, yeah, she's always doing well at describing. She doesn't make it too long, which I appreciate. But she's also trying to, like, bring it back to, like, why this works. Hmm. So her character right now is a Tempest cleric. So everything's about, like, lightning and thunder and water, right? And so, like, how do you do healing word, right? She just says a word and that's good. It's like, no. I, she has to describe how she's using the weather and the elements to cause, like, some water to splash on you or something, you know? Uh, or the steam fills that. your nostrils and opens up your breathing passages, you know. I don't know, something. She's got to, she finds creative ways uh, to make that happen. And so while she's playing, it's interesting to listen to her. And then when she passes it, it happens fairly quickly. And then we go to the next player and we hope that they do something similar, right? So... Highly recommend that, uh, number one, we, we play like Jenna, okay? Brief but descriptive. Mm-hmm. Brief but flavorful, okay? Um, also, Jenna is, like, uh, mostly a career GM like I am, so she knows the rules inside and out, and so she knows how to keep that ball rolling, too. And that, that brings me to number two. You have got to know the game, you got to know it. Or or at least be willing to learn it and take time to study what's going on. And, you know, the game is the time that we are spending three to four hours together actually telling the story. There is a little bit of homework that needs to happen outside of the game where it's like, okay, oh, this came up at the last game. I'm going to look this up to make sure that I know the wording of it. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I used to do before I had any money, but I had access to a copying machine was I would photocopy the passages of the books that I needed. Mm-hmm. And then I could, then I would make a little binder out of it. Oh, there you go. All right. So that everything was like quick reference and like, okay, I don't need to have all the pages about wizard. I'm not a wizard. Right. Uh, I don't need every spell. I just need these ones. Yeah. Right. Um, I need this feat because then you remember how it works. You know, uh, the other thing I, I would do if I didn't have that kind of access, I would just put the page number uh, by my abilities on my character sheet. And I yeah. think that that's something that I highly recommend. Well, in these days, it's a lot easier, assuming you have internet access, which a lot of people do. If you have internet access, all of the rules are available online. They are available online. But you and all also of the spells have are that. available online. You also have bookmarks in your browser as well, right? And I think even on your phone. So... You know, have those things as quick links mm -hmm. that you can get to. Because here's the problem. 
you know, people know where their PDF is. They know where the wiki dot is. They know where, uh, you know, even D&D beyond it is. And so what happens is that they don't study, hmm. right? And it's like, it's one thing for you to know where to find something. It's another thing to know it and know where to find it to answer questions about it, right? It's better to know a thing than not to know a thing, obviously, right? And it's better to know where to find it than not, because... Well, certainly, certainly, because if I, you know, and if nothing else, if nothing else, sit there and go, well, here's what I would like to do. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say this person has never played before and they haven't had a chance to look at the book. It's like, fine, this paper here, we'll just pretend it's fate, right? This paper here says that I'm a wizard and that I'm an elf. Okay, so that would suggest that I can cast spells and I'm probably good at hearing things. So can I do like, you know, a spell that uses the power of sound to create a wave and push people away? It's like me as the GM, I understand that I can make you cast Thunder Wave. Mm -hmm. And then I can make it do whatever I can. We can flavor it however you want. Because flavor is free. Yeah, because flavor is free. And so we can work together to make that happen. But that player still needs to be able to sit there and go, they need to be able to see the action in their mind or possibly on the VTT and then make it come more to life in their mind. And then they need to be able to say, okay, well, here's what I want. Here's what I think would be cool. And mm -hmm. then it's up to the GM to, to put the numbers on that sort of behind the curtain. Now, after that player has been coming to the table for several weeks, at this point, I do expect them to have looked at the book. I do expect them to know what the dang thing says. So, pro tip for everybody listening. Take your player's handbook, get a printed version, okay? Or if you have to get on your phone, get on your phone. Uh, read it in the bathroom. Read it in the bathroom. I'm I remember not, you mentioned that you've yeah. done this. Yeah, I, I learned everything on the can, guys. All right, I learned everything on the can. So, folks, if you if you're if you're wondering why your partner disappears into the bathroom for hours on end, <laughs> says they reading their spells. Okay, <laughs> like what are you gonna do? You gonna okay? Here's your alternatives. You're gonna look at your Facebook. You're gonna play that free game you hate. You're gonna do some TikTok. Chill out. Take a minute and figure out what cleric does. Okay, you don't have to learn the whole thing. Just figure out what is channel divinity. They keep saying channel divinity. I don't know what that means. Okay, so sit down there and uh, figure that part out. And now you know one more thing. And get up, clean yourself off, and then go on your day. And the next, because this is going to happen again. All right? It's going to happen every day. All right? If At least once. And if it's not, by the way, go see a doctor. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, go and... Uh, yeah, then add one more piece, and then one more piece, and then one more piece. And, you know, soon enough, you'll be correcting the GM on something they read, you know, three years ago and is no longer accurate, right? Or is part of an earlier edition, and they just assumed that was a rule, right? That happens to me all the time. So it doesn't really take a lot, but it does take something. And I think that just a lot of players show up with the expectation of, you are here to entertain me. Right. And they put all, everything on the gym. Well, listen, some unpaid kid who's your age, you know, and uh, is not going to deliver this. Right. 
they're going to be able to do pretty well, but at some point you got to lift your part, right? You got to do a little bit of lifting. Okay. I've been ranting for a while. <laughs> I want to know what you, you have to add to this, this concept. Well, and I, I think that then my question to all of that is how do we model what we want to see at the table? Because it is always a learning process. Um, I think that I was very lucky in a lot of ways that the majority of my TTRPG early experience was a show. So I knew that part of my job was to right. entertain. And that was part of the expectation. So that made it a lot easier for me as, you know, I've been an actor since I was 16, 17 years old. And I would argue a performer long before that. Yes. Um, so for me, it was a lot easier to buy into that. And then I was surrounded by tremendous role players who showed me what to do. But for people who aren't that fortunate or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, because boy, was there a lot of anxiety about uh, learning everything on camera. Um, what are some ways, do you think, that we can model what we want to see at the table without getting on our soapbox and lecturing? Because... Uh, very few things turn off people I've noticed faster than getting lectured at. No, you're 100% right. And um, so that was a perfect example where I ranted for a long time and made you listen uh, while I was telling you about how to move the ball, right? <laughs> so not a great illustration, right? We all learn. It's, it's part of the process. So here's one simple thing you can do as a GM. You can say... Okay, I've set the scene, I've created created the thing, you finish your narration about the ambiance and the situation and what's happening. Don't say, what do you do to the whole party? Mm. Because I find that you get in the Canadian standoff, right? Yes, the, the, the politeness. Uh, oh, no, you first. Oh, no, you first. Oh, no, you first. I don't want to overstep. Look at somebody and ask them what they want to do. Okay. And be a little easier on the first guy. Because they just got called on, right? And then, like, maybe look at, like, if they're at the table with you, maybe look at the next person and be like, Yeah. And one way to, to do that to keep it, because I know that my impulse as a GM is to, like, immediately toss it to the person that I'm like, oh, you're a tremendous role player, you're going to take this and roll with it. That then doesn't train the next person who may not be as good at it. Uh, take the number of players that you have at the table, roll a die behind the, the screen and, and assign a number to each player and say, okay, it rolled a four, Sally, you're going. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. It's also a good way to decide who the monsters attack. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, one of my favorite ways to, it's, it's a great way to, to ratchet up tension too, to like look around the table, one, two, three, four, roll a D4 behind the screen. Yeah. Everyone knows what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, okay, this is random. Okay. That's yes. kind of interesting. Well, and it does also help, just tangenting for a second, it does help uh, allay any accusations of you're picking on me. Right. Favoritism, whatever. Favoritism or vice versa, retaliation on if you're always attacking the same player. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um yeah, so that, that all makes sense. Uh, the other thing that I've seen a lot of people do, and I need to do more of this, is to tell someone they're on deck. Yes, that's right? a great way. To use the baseball reference, it's like you're up next. And so um, that's a good way to help them to remember where they are and to do it. It's This is, uh, this is stuff that works really, really well, um, especially in person, because there's so much like body language and eye contact. And to a degree, you can 
you can more control the distractions that are happening. But on the VTT, you are competing with a lot of distraction. And you don't have the benefit of faces. And everyone is sitting on their uh, their distraction machine. Like, it's so easy Precisely. to go and click over into something else. And, yeah. And I will not say that I am innocent of this, right? I, of course I do it, right? Uh, I have graded papers during games, right? <laughs> uh, a lot of times I'm drawing during games, which is not the best because it does split my attention. Um, but at least I'm thinking about the game in some way. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you mentioned before, I do knit during during games because one of the patterns that I'm working on right now, there's only a very small section that requires any amount of counting, and the rest of it is just straight knitting or straight purling for hundreds of stitches. So right. that's very mechanical. It's very easy to do while I'm watching what's happening on the screen and I'm thinking about what I do next. And honestly, I would, to an extent, encourage that in players where it's like, if you if, if you're neurospicy like many of us are <laughs> and you find it really hard to focus if you don't have a like fiddle or something to to do yeah you fidget find something to fidget with like yeah. like Adam draws sometimes I knit sometimes I know other people who sit and play with their dice which is fine unless you're doing an audio podcast and then it's very quickly and loud and your editor will yell at you <laughs> um Plato is great or any kind of sculpy material. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Just being able to mush stuff around is great. There's actually not maybe not the fidget poppets because they make noise. Sure. But like there's a lot of different like little fidget toys that are, are helpful. The spinner's also not great. Um it those those are just kind of the worst of their genre. Uh they seem to do the opposite of what they're designed to do. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of good alternatives out there, uh, like malleable, quiet things. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, like little activities that you can do. That, that are mechanical or are helping you focus in on, on the game. Like I know, uh, Chris draws little, little vignettes of our characters in Westgate doing, doing things that happen in the game. Which and we I love those vignettes. They're, they're fantastic. And I think that that's something that helps him focus a little bit more because he wants to find those moments to show off in his little vignettes. And they're they're so funny. And they do a great job of, like, capturing the acting in a way. Yeah, um, capturing the character. And it's, it's so cool. I, I love that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind a little bit of that if, if you're helping, right? Um, what I definitely don't want to see, like when I'm with people is to have them not just doing a quick phone check, like what time yeah. is it? Or, you know, do I have any important messages, but like scrolling or playing a game, like I'll see this with student groups, you know, cause our, my club's too big for me to do everything. Yeah. Right. So I have lots of student led groups, um, and I'll go in and several of the players will just be on their phones and I'm like, GM, man, you gotta like. You got to say something about that, right? He's, they're not communicating with mom and dad. They're they're playing Farmville or freaking Clash of Clans. Like Who plays Farmville anymore? I don't know. You know, <laughs> the, whatever the equivalent is nowadays, right? You know, whatever the latest um, collect resources by, th by thing. I, I've know. been seeing a lot of Monopoly Go lately, so. Have you? Know. Yeah. So maybe there's that, right? Uh, I can't believe how many kids still play Cash, Clash of Clans. They, they're playing it all the time. Okay. And it's, I'm like, it's not even good. But anyway, um, 
It doesn't I, need to be good if it's addictive. If it's addictive. Oh my gosh, the phone games are the worst. Um, so, but the other thing is, is just like have an inner timer for yourself. What I like to do is imagine that I have an audience because, well, number one, you have an audience. It's called the other players. Yeah. Okay. If you're streaming, you do have an audience, hopefully. <laughs> generally, generally. Generally, you have an audience, even if it's a few, right? Um, and then, like, if nothing else, get the imaginary one, you know, because you have to go, well, have I been talking too long? How, you know, when's the last time I passed the ball? Mm-hmm. So there's a few tips that, that I have. Do you have any more to add? Uh, one of the things that a GM, I think, can do, and use this with care, know your table on this one, um, but if people are just taking 20 minutes to do their turn, I I have implemented a sand timer at the table before to sure. give a visual representation of what's going on. Now, this was for an arena specifically, so I was like, one minute timer, go. I think you could be a little bit more generous in a home game and a little bit more forgiving on that. But if it's longer than like three minutes, then like you got to move on. Like people are are really going to start to be unhappy, right? Yeah, they're going to wonder why you're not driving things, why yeah. you're not saying stuff, and nobody, no one else at the table wants to feel like they have to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? But like at a certain point, someone's got to be like, order your dang food. Right. If you need to order food, order it before you get there or order on the break. I don't care which, just not in the middle of, of, of a combat, please. Combat is already so long. So I'm, I'm going to pick on my wife a little bit, which is not good marriage advice, but uh, she did a very cute but very silly thing. Uh-oh. Okay. And I, to her defense, I think she was pregnant at the time. So her appetite was all kinds of wonky. Okay. Right. And so whenever I go to a drive-in... I always think of like what I want, right? And I and I usually just pick a number. And if I have any variation in it, it's like one thing. Sure. Right. So I like if I I'll say like give me a number one with no sauce. Boom, I'm done. Right. We're finished. Um, we went to a subway once. Okay, you know where they make sandwiches. Yes. And she asked asked for a deconstructed meatball sub. So they gave her the bread. She had a little baggie full of the cheese. She had a cup that was full of the meatballs. And then uh, another cup with some extra sauce in it. And I was I was like, I'm never taking you here again. <laughs> We're never doing this again. I can never show my face in this subway again. <laughs> you have ruined our reputation. Uh, well, she got what she wanted out of it She at got least. what she wanted. She was like, if they make the bread and then we go home, the bread is soggy. I'm like... You're right, but also, that's insane. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, if you have that bump up front, people forgive a lot. People are just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Whatever you need. That's very true. Uh, I think another tip that I would give for for the GMs is model the behavior that that you want to see. So if you want short, quick, descriptive things, show that. Um, There are very few things that turn me off quicker as a player than... 15 to 20 minutes of you enter a place, exposition, 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 cut scene. Now what do you do? I'm like, I have forgotten why we even <laughs> walked into this room. I don't remember anything. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that I remember my name. Who am I? Where are we? What's going on? <laughs> 
So one of the best ways, I think, to model that is to actually model it. Have them walk into a room, describe a few things that, you know, set the scene, set the atmosphere, but do it as quickly as you can and only really say some of the important stuff to give them things to ask about so that they can ask, well, is there like a bookcase in this room? You can say, yes. All right. I want to go and investigate the the books on this bookcase. Cool. Roman investigation check. Mm hmm. And then, then it's a then it's a passing the ball back and forth, as opposed to you as the GM being the ball hog and doing all of the description and building on your own. I think one of the things that I I work on letting go of as well is I need to make sure that you can see every detail in this room perfectly, because otherwise you won't understand what's going on. And that's yes. not true, because if we want to foster curiosity mm-hmm. in players, we need to give them things to pull at, to be curious about. Correct. And uh, a lot of that comes from our desire to share. Like, yeah. look at all the cool stuff I got, right? It's so neat. Look at all it's, the pretties. Look, look at all the pretties. And it's like, uh, they're not going to care about the pretties if they don't get the opportunity to ask about the pretties. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I have difficulty visualizing things. And so... I will ask a ton of, of questions about the the place because it's like I need to place this mentally where it's like, all right, we walk into the room. There's a wall across from me, a door to my right, and a, and a, and a flat wall with a bookcase to my left. Okay, that is about as much information as I can internalize and picture without losing my mind. And th- this is a big reason why I do enjoy doing things like uh, map creating mm-hmm. is because I do want to cut down on the amount of that that's happening. And I've actually had a lot of fun putting random doodads in maps. Sure. And then letting players ask about them. Uh, I have had like big plot points come out of things that I never planned for. I love that. You know, which are super fun. Like somebody goes to a bookshelf. They're like, are there any interesting books here? And in my brain, I was like, why did I put a bookshelf if there wasn't (laughs) going to be any interesting books here? What I'm going to tell me is wrong for looking in the bookshelf that I placed. Right? That, that, that was one of the reasons why in Death House, uh, when, when the players went over to investigate the bookcase, which they did, and Alondra knew they would, as soon as they touched one, all of them fell to dust except the one that was the lever. Because <laughs> she was like, I am not making up 10,000 books with all of their titles and contents because I know these players, they will ask. All right. You, you can be like, most of these are mundane books you've seen in school before, sure. you know, various you know, classic literature histories. This sort of thing. But there is one title that stands out to you, right? Which is a very polite way of saying, I'm going to tell you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a more interesting way of not sh- of not shutting it down. It's a more interesting way of saying, you have asked a good question about a thing that I placed in here. Let me give you information based on that. Correct. Yeah. And uh, that creates a lot of opportunity for some, some interesting um, improv. And I find it's in the improv itself that where a lot of the magic of the game seems to appear right it's not usually from the script yeah it's usually from the you know it would be cool and then it is right and that's and that's one of the reasons why i encourage gms again to let go a little bit because there is that inner impulse to be like just go follow the plot just plot hunt and there, there is value to that. You want the story to progress, absolutely. Like at some point, the 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 story is going to progress without you if you're just going on, you know, multiple shopping expeditions. But there is a balance to strike between only plot, no downtime, 
and only downtime, no plot. And yes, you're, I think you're right about that. And I think that it's really important to allow the players time to talk, to just talk in character, even if you don't think there's a point to it. I mean, obviously, you don't want it to go on too long. But if there's interesting character work going on and they're finding out about each other and they're being curious about each other, stifle or at least rein in the impulse to cut it off quickly. Let them let them explore each other. Let them find out what's going on. Yeah, if the players start taking over and they are doing their own thing and playing out an interesting scene, yeah, I definitely don't want to cut that off. That's I can plan during that time. I can just listen and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I can, uh, you know, uh, go get a snack. You know, there's all kinds of things that could happen. Refill your coffee. Refill my coffee. Gosh, I want coffee so bad right now. <laughs> I want to go get some coffee. Uh, I think that's great advice. And I think that we have um, hit on a lot of reasons why these things happen. Um, so uh, I guess in, in all in all, as a, as a GM, you know, uh, create the structure and establish the expectations that will accomplish getting uh, the quick turn to happen. Not even just quick. That's not really the goal. I would say it's the efficient turn. Right? The interesting turn. The interesting turn. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, but then players, it's on, on our, um, what we have to do is then, oh, follow those rules, follow those expectations and execute them, right? Don't be the guy that didn't think about their menu until they drove up to the to the window, Okay. Everyone behind you hates you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that comes with, with, with player and GM buy-in. So, mm-hmm. you know, find your reasons to buy into the story. Find your reasons to buy into your character. Find your reasons to buy into and be curious about the other characters. And that very much goes for the GM as well. Like, my favorite kind of GM to play with are the ones who are big fans of the player characters getting to do cool things and getting to accomplish their goals in interesting ways. So, you know, we're all players around the table, pass that ball, dribble it back and forth to each other, set up, lay up, get that, get it in the, get it in the, the hoop. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know sports. <laughs> I don't know sports on that note. I think we'll say our goodbyes for the week. <laughs> Uh, we assume there are balls in sports and that passing them is good. That That is the running theory. <laughs> so, yeah. Why don't you take us home, Tiana? Can do. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Um, we're looking forward to, to hearing your stories about the cool things that happen in the, in the little moments in your games and the ways that... Uh, you find good ways to pass the story back and forth to each other. So uh, tell us your stories. We'd love to hear them. Uh, So until next time, stay inspired. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. 
They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Thank you.